0: This is the first of the Pensioners for Independence podcasts in 2021. It features the Edinburgh and Lothians Pensioners for Indie Group, and their guest this week is Craig Berry, who's from the SNP Commonweal Group. Here we go. Okay, I
1: think we'll just we'll just get started. Thank you. Uh, welcome Craig, thank you very much for coming to speak to us. You are our first speaker of the year and I think after um, after our exciting Christmas New Year and all the bad news that's been hitting us since the 1st of January, we could do with a good chat, let's put it that way. So welcome and i just like to uh, reiterate that Pensions for Independence does not support any particular political party our aim is independence and if the martian party want to come along and get his independence then they'd be very welcome Uh, and for the for the recording could you please just say that you're okay to have this recorded please craig
2: yep i'm more than happy to have this recorded.
1: thanks so because um if you could start by just telling us a wee bit about yourself about your history and then just talk away
2: Excellent. So, I just for the just so everyone's aware, my name is Craig Berry. Um, I am the convener of the SNP Commonweal Group. So, um, just a background of myself, um, I haven't always been party political, for, <laughs> not not for uh, a very long time. Um, so, I was an electrical engineer um, and I approached Commonweal to help develop some of their um, policy. Um, I developed the policy on the Scottish space industry. I don't know if you'd seen it in the paper uh, at the time a few years ago where it was uh, the independence and beyond with a space shuttle. <laughs> Quite ridiculous from the uh, the national. but uh, there we go. Um, so I, I, I developed some papers. I, I developed a paper on the Scottish space industry. I, I did some on um, the renewable industry. Um, I'm part of the, um, the the Commonwealth Energy Working Group, which is essentially a think tank within a think tank. And I was doing a lot of this work in automation as well, and a few other things that are kind of coming up uh, in the future. Um, So I was doing a lot of this work, and I kind of started to realise that there's only so much that I can do with the with the policy work that I'm doing, Um, and that what we need to have uh, are political parties that are willing to take these ideas on and uh, bring them into um, uh, into the wider party policy. My understanding, I know this uh, isn't a party political group, but my understanding is that the SNP is the hegemonic force within Scottish politics. And if we want to see um, Commonwealth ideas become um, policy, um, then perhaps that should have been uh, the party that uh, that we can start to um, push things around. Um, It all kind of started off um, on the currency debate. We had an independent currency group uh, that campaigned uh, against the, the Sustainable Growth Commission. Um, I do have my own kind of personal criticisms about that as well. Um, oh, I won't go too much into that right now. Maybe maybe later. Um, so. we we were opposed to uh, some of the policies within the Sustainable Growth Commission. We wanted to push um, more um, left-wing economic policy within the party. Um, So we grouped together and we ended up getting a victory. Um, So there was an amendment put forward at the party conference for the Sustainable Growth Growth Commission and we campaigned on the amendments Um, and I think it was Amendment D by Tim Rydow. I don't know if you've met Tim yet who's part of the Scottish uh, Current Group certainly someone uh, that you should uh, have a have a ch- conversation with at some point in the future if you haven't already. Um, it was his amendment, Amendment D, that passed, which kind of um, set into motion that we should have an independent currency as soon as practical. Um, and I think that was kind of the first real sign of a victory within the party. Um, and then there was a kind of realization that what we were doing was we were we were. Campaigning on specific policies, there was another campaign before, um, before the currency campaign, on um, the Scottish National Infrastructure Company. Um, again, that was another policy from Commonweal that passed as SNP policy uh, that the the, the conference um, overwhelmingly supported. And I think that there was there was a the realisation that we need to kind of put things in motion here. We need to have uh, an official structure that can try get people together that believe in progressive economic policy. Um, and start to push that within the party. Um, there were other aspects that we kind of realised that we had to include as well. So there were kind of three main core ideas that were centred within the SNP wheel group: uh, urgency on independence, um, reforming the uh, reforming the internal uh, structures of the SNP, um, so that it's um, more representative of the party membership and pushing forward um, left-wing policy, pushing forward more radical ideas, pushing forward um, ideas, which I believe have uh, a lot of support within um, ordinary uh, working members of um, of the party uh, and of uh, wider society, in my, my personal opinion as well. Um, so those were the core ideas to the mill the Group. Um, we launched in February. Um, February 2020, which uh, I'm sure we could all uh, appreciate, was uh, <laughs> at the beginning of a few other things that happened. Uh, it was namely, the COVID uh, pandemic that uh, they greeted us in March. I think it was that we had our uh, first lockdown, so we, we, were a, we were a wee bit uh, we were we were a wee bit disorganised for uh, dealing with global pandemics at the time. And I think we we organised ourselves. We, 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 we had to reshape ourselves a little bit once um, once that pandemic hit um and we had to kind of move things um quite to a digital campaign where we were all kind of set for campaigning in the streets and going to local branches and then we had to kind of shift things a little bit. But we weren't the only ones that were doing that because a lot of local parties were um were were doing these kind of things moving online and then that gave us the opportunity myself. I'm from the Highlands and Islands, so now I have the opportunity to speak to people from Kirkordi. Um without having to have the, the expense of traveling out to Kirkcaldy, I can sit there and have the conversation with the, the people that need to hear the things that we need to talk about. Now, when it came to, to local parties, one of the things that we realized before we actually launched, was that parties can find themselves, uh, lo- local, local parties can find themselves, um, when I say local parties, I'm talking about local branches within the party. Uh, local branches can find themselves in the, you know, different situations. Um, a lot of branches said that um when the independence referendum started uh, there was an influx of new members they had to find new halls to accommodate all the new members that were coming out and over time over part, part there were there are different reasons what they found now was that um the numbers were dropping back to their kind of pre-referendum levels um but there were other, other groups that were able to sustain that support and sustain uh, the the number of people that were um, reaching out to the branch and speaking to the branch and attending the branch, get involved in local politics. Um, I, I spoke to uh, an MP candidate as well back in 2019. And what they told us their experience was that, yes, they, they felt that local branches were um, getting quieter and quieter and quieter. But what they also found was that when they came out to campaign and they campaigned quite heavily on, on commonwealth policy they had an influx of people that weren't part that weren't involved in the party but were members of the party and were saying well look i want to get involved and then the question that she had at the time was well, well why are you not involved in the local local branch and there's there's different reasons for that each person will have their own reasons but my, my own understanding is that um my own understanding is that we don't have a positive campaign uh, we don't have um, we don't have a campaign right now. Well, some would argue that we don't have a campaign uh, within the within the party, but we, we, we don't have a campaign that focuses on um, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, a lot of people um, when they when they engage with politics right now, it's quite in the doom and gloom of Brexit and the dark cloud that's hanging over us, uh, and um, that's going to be happening for the next number of years as well. But what we want to do is start talking about the positive ideas. What can independence bring to to, to to ordinary people how can your local communities change with independence and what are some of the ideas that we can either implement now or set in place now so that when we do become independent uh, these things start to come together um i mean there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um ideas that common will have worked on um that can um it can really engage people and start to talk about these ideas again and i think people do want to talk about them but when i go around and i speak to local branches, that, that, they kind of say yes we're in the same situation, numbers have waned. But um when I when I speak to them about some of the ideas that we're trying to uh, engage with, they say, well look, that's that's um that's ideal. These are some ideas that um that uh really speak to us because there's one idea that we kind have of, there's there's a few different policies. We have like we have a policy charter on our website if you say if anyone's ever interested in having a look. But one of the ideas um that we kind of focus on that certainly I am I'm personally interested in is um is making sure that local supply chains um, meet the local community. So, um, what we have right now, if you are in um, a large constituency, like Argyll and Butte, for instance, uh, uh, what what you'll often find is that when you have um, people competing to prov- provide the produce for local schools, um, these contracts aren't just for local schools, these contracts are for, like, they, they cover, Sometimes larger than a council area, they cover large areas, and um, the, the, the contracts that go out are kind of long and they're compl- complex, and it really drives out local suppliers. Um, but this isn't this isn't necessarily um, this isn't necessarily an in- infrastructure thing that's going to be set up because of the EU or or anything like that. Because in France, I think it's fifty percent of fifty um, percent of the produce that uh, is sent to local schools are provided by local farmers. And again, if we if we are finding ourselves in a situation, um, certainly in the COVID area, I think there's a lot of people having this realisation that um, we don't we shouldn't have to rely on large supply chains to meet our demands. We we shouldn't have to worry about the, the lorries freezing at Kent just because um, just because of the people down at Westminster. I won't say anything rude about them. Um, but why why can't we shorten our supply chains so that um, so that when we have when our economy is kind of functioning um it's support of the local commodity the local economy is supporting the local economy so local people are supporting local businesses um so that's certainly that's certainly an idea when, when i start to talk about this and, and speak to local branches about these ideas we, we have some people come up to us at the end and say well yeah that, that's that's precisely our experience we've had um local farmers that want to try um Provide projects for local schools, and they they just can't compete. They just can't get into the the contracts are just too big and too complex. So um, I think that that's certainly that's certainly an idea that we want to go around and start start to speak to people about, uh, and some of these ideas that we want to push forward. And there's a lot of traction going forward. Um, we uh, Our tagline for the uh, SNP commonwealth group, our, our wee slogan, so to speak, is uh, make change happen. Because I think one of the one of the issues that we have um, that we often find, and I, I don't know if this is your experience as well, is that you have a lot of well-meaning people uh, like myself that will come here and speak about these ideas, and uh, they'll all say super duper, uh, let's get that, uh, that sounds brilliant, let's make that party policy. Um, but nothing ever happens. Um, people are going around, they're talking about these new and interesting ideas, but that's about as far as it goes. So, what we want to do is make sure that we put in place a plan that can actually um, achieve these goals. Um, but we are getting tripped up, and the, difficult, the difficulty as an SNP member is that we're getting tripped up by our own party at times. Um, so, we had, um, well, I talked about One of the core ideas that we had was action on independence. One of my problems isn't so much um, plan A or plan B. It's that I believe that the party membership should democratically decide what the strategy for independence is for our political party. We are a democratic party. The membership should be uh, the ones that decide what our policy is. Um, If they want it to be plan B, uh, as per Chris McElhinney or um, Angus McNeil, so be it. That, that's the that's a the democratic will of the uh, of the, of the party but we don't have that process in place um so I think what we tried to do at the last party conference was to put forward an, um, a, a motion to say well look the let's put in place um, a structure that can start to democratically decide these decisions on independence um, and what happened there? Uh, all the motions that were taken at the party conference uh, were turned into composite motions, um, or they would take all the uh, all the motions that people spent a lot of time, a lot of hard work speaking to people about, speaking to local branches about. We did. Um, Tim Rado I spoke to you earlier as well. He had a he had a um, he had a motion on uh, currency as well going round in a Scottish central bank. He had that going round and spoke. I think he spoke to. I don't know if it's on record. as one of the the, the largest number of um, uh, branches to support an, a, a, a a motion for party conference, but that just kind of got rubbished and put into these composite motions. So these ideas were taken in house, the, uh, the party decided to, to strip them of all their meaning and set up um, composite motions that we all had to vote on. Um, if I could be very critical of the party, I don't like to be very critical of the party all the time, but I think these criticisms need to be had. The composite motions weren't worth their weight. Uh, it, it was very party uh, congratulatory. Um, we, we don't need party motions um, deciding oh, well, that the Scottish Government need a, a, a Round of applause and a clap and a pat in the back. Well done for the the hard work they've achieved. Well, yeah, sure, they, they deserve that, but that's not what party conferences are for. That composite motions shouldn't be part of party conference. And I think it was a bit of an insult to have us being told that because of COVID we couldn't have an ordinary party. Uh, we couldn't have an ordinary party conference as per usual, because Scottish Green Party had it. The Scottish Labour Party had it, the Conservatives have it, Lib Dems had it, other parties across Europe had it, because it's fair enough to say, well, the SNP is a very, very big party, Well, other parties across Europe managed to do it as well. So it, 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 it just seemed very strange to me that that would happen. Um, there's another aspect to kind of put in place here as well, that um, what we did was, um, part, of, part of our campaign um, for make change happen and to reform the party structure, or to um, push forward kind of left wing ideas, the first thing we did was um, we have an upcoming election, as I'm sure all of us know, um, and the SNP just went through a process of selecting the candidates for the uh, for the election. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to kind of set our line in the sand and say, look, if you believe in the policies that we're advocating for, get on board and sign this um, pledge to say that you support a Green New Deal, um, uh, a Green New Deal, strengthening tenants rights, pushing forward on some ideas like public ownership of um, the rails, which, I mean, that's certainly something that's uh, within our grasp. So there was a few different ideas that we put forward as a pledge to say, um, if you're a candidate and you, you're you up for an election for different people, all part, part of the same party, but if you want to have, if you want to set yourself out a little bit different from some of the other candidates, then sign this pledge and get behind us. And we did. We got a lot of support. We got so much support. I think we got, um, I think we got one third of um, the candidates for um, for the upcoming election. Now, if we, according to local st- the, the the latest polling, if we actually get all the SNP candidates that signed our pledge to be elected, as per the polling, as per the the way the kind of constituencies are laid out, uh, the the SNP Commonwealth group will have as much influence on the Scottish government as the Scottish Green Party. And I mean that's that's quite that's quite profound. Um, to, to, to hear that, to say that um, a campaign that maybe not a lot of people have heard of yet, certainly we're, we're, we're working hard to change that, um, a campaign that a lot of people have not not necessarily heard of is, is man- managing to make such massive inroads. The reason we're making massive inroads is because we're not out there, um we're not out there on the social media trying to make ourselves all big and kousty. We're out there speaking to local local branches. We're out, out there speaking to local members, making sure we don't care about um, how we're perceived on social media and all, all this kind of nonsense. What we're concerned about is the opinions of local party members and making sure that they're they're represented, fairly represented, and we push forward some of our ideas. And it's working. So after the um, after the candidate selection, after we did really really well in the candidate selection, um, we recognised that the national um, uh, the national conference was upcoming. So what we wanted to do was to set out uh, um, what we call the the manifesto for democracy. So we set out six different types of reforms for the local party, um, uh, trans making sure that the, the, the NEC is more transparent, making sure that there's um, a fair. Uh, a fair complaints process, um, making sure local branches are listened to when it comes to um, uh, the setting up of uh, party conferences, um, some uh, <laughs> some financial reforms uh, as well in terms of uh, who, who gets paid in Party HQ and uh, some of that information being a bit more public to party members so that they, we can then uh, make a bit more criticism to these sort of things. Um, so I, we, we set up this Manifesto for Democracy. Um, we got a number of people that were up for election. These were elections for a number of different um, committees within the party. So there was uh, the Policy Committee, um, there was the Conference Committee, the uh, Members Conduct, Conduct appeals, and mainly the National Executive, uh, which is effectively the... Um, I don't want to say leadership of the party because we do have our own leader, but effectively that is what, what the NEC is, the National Executive effectively decide uh decide some of the kind of uh bigger decisions of the party. Um and we did really, really well there. We didn't win. I think um I think when it came to the election and the, at the end we we kinda roughly got around fifty percent um of the people uh that can maybe uh, identify themselves as reformists. Um uh, for the policy development committee uh we but the Policy Development Committee, we ended up getting uh, the majority of support. So now the Policy Development Committee is very set on, um, maybe not necessarily Commonwealth policy, but that kind of uh, general idea, the, um, being a bit more uh, democratic with some of the decisions they make, um, being a bit more democratic, being a bit more open, pushing forward some, some kind of more different ideas for policy development as well. Um, I think a massive uh, win for the uh, SMB com group was the um was the policy development convener. we had previously um alan smith um who was the policy develop the alan-, alan smith uh, mp i should give him his uh, title uh, <laughs> alan smith mp who had a um who had a um, column in the national who is a person of quite significance uh, within the party? He was an MEP. He is currently an MP. Um, he was the convener of the um, of the the policy policy development, and his position was up for election. And we put forward um, Chris Hanlon, who is. Um, I mean, I don't want to be rude to Chris. Chris is a brilliant person, but I don't want to say he's a nobody. But not many people know about Chris. Not 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 a lot of people know who he is. Chris is a brilliant person he's he's a hard-working activist and at the end of the um of the conference when the, the results came out Chris ended up beating Alan Smith because local party members recognized that when it comes to policy development that their voices aren't being heard and that they would have greater trust and Chris Me- uh, Chris um, Chris Hanlon who represents uh, local party members than they would of someone of such um uh, importance like Alan Smith Um, I mean, needless to say that Alan Smith only held—I think it was only one uh, policy policy development meeting uh, for—I think the term that he had, and I think his term was about between eighteen and Um, twenty-four. Was it eighteen? I think it was eighteen months he had uh, in his term, which is quite shocking. Um, Sorry, aye. Uh, So we at at the end we we ended up getting a number of reformers in the party, um, and we what we're doing right. now is See, we're agree. working with those people behind the scenes and making sure that um, we're making sure that the the six reforms that we push forward, that were on the, uh, the manifesto for democracy, making sure that those things are implemented. Um, there's a few things that um, I can't talk about right now because they're in the process, but um, we're certainly trying to make a lot of headway there. We're pushing people um, to really reform the party and make sure that local party members are heard. But this isn't just the end of it. Because we've got a mission, we've got to make sure that we uh, these policies uh, that we're supporting the the, the 19 policy uh, chart a policy chart on the website. We want to try push forward those policies. We want to continue to make sure that uh, party members are heard and that the NEC is held to account. Um, and we want to make sure that independence is the priority of the party. Not to say that there are people that don't prioritise it. I'm sure they do, but. Um, Personally, I, th- I think there's uh, there's far more work that could be done. There's far more work that um, could be done in terms of listening to local people, listening to local party members, and actually putting something out and having a campaign um, at the ready. Uh, I mean, put, setting up some of the structures for a campaign to be ready, so that we can start to go out and speak to people, because that's how we win the independence. Yes, the polls are good right now, but um, never rely on polls, never rely too much on what polls are telling you. Uh, I, I do say that quite uh, nervously because I appreciate the polls are looking very good for us, but um, ever the, uh, the pessimist, uh, I always kind of think, well, at any opportunity, anything can happen and those polls can turn. So we need to make sure that we have a process and a campaign in place to make sure that that number stays high and that we can st- start to reach the 60%, we get to maintain the 60% uh, support of the, um, of the Scottish public and the we actually have in place um, the ability to hold a referendum and have the people decide um, what they're views are on Scottish independence, which I'm sure will come uh, at some point in the future. Um, we're working hard and making sure that's achieved. And there's a lot of people that are working behind us as well. We've got a lot of um, really hard working people uh, going out, speaking to local branches, getting people involved, um, pushing forward radical ideas, making sure their voices are heard within the party. And um, I, think this is, I think this is necessary. There are some people in the party that are a bit... Um, a bit nervous about this. They, I think some of them would call it the anti-faction faction. I don't necessarily see the SNP colonial group as a faction, because I mean we are a political party. We have different aims as a political party, um, and and the, the idea that factions haven't existed, never do exist in the party. I don't necessarily agree to that. I think they're hard to identify, and they've always been hard to identify. But factions have existed, um, and what we want to do is we don't want to. Be a faction and uh, speak to our own kind and not really uh, achieve anything. As I say, make change happen, we want to speak to different people in the party, listen to what they have to say, and try to actually achieve our goals, our stated aims. And I think we can do that. And we've done well to do that. I think um, I think when it comes to the candidate selection process, we've done well to do that. I think when it comes to the, um, uh, the um, NEC elections, we've done well to do that. And there's more in the future. We're going to continue to campaign for the SNP and within the SNP to change the SNP and make sure that we can have more progressive policy within the party, so that we can actually start to change local communities. Um, now, I, I don't know if there's any kind of, kind of questions. I'm, I'm I'm always happy to kind of bat things uh, around a little bit. Um,
1: we do have a couple of questions. Um, okay, so I'll hand over to Daniel for the questions.
3: Oh, I get. Oh, I'm allowed to speak. He's
1: allowed to speak now. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, the, the first question we have is from Angie and, uh, and Dave. And in actual fact, that's one that I don't think we need to ask Craig to comment on. No,
1: it's uh, just a
3: statement. Um, the, you're talking about getting an email today for sign up to the SNP Virtual National Assembly on the 24th of January, open to all members. Topic is moving to independence.
2: Um, I, I would like to actually say something on that quickly. I'll actually. Um, <laughs> if it's
3: okay, <laughs> no right. time you, <laughs>
2: but uh, I I think when it comes to the National Assembly, we have to be very very careful here. And um, this is one of the criticisms I had for the National last na- the last National Assemblies because last ones we had were on the Sustainable Growth Commission, and what it seemed like that it wasn't so much. Um, it wasn't so much a democratic uh, mechanism to set the party policy what it seemed like was it was um not so much a listening exercise but rather a rebranding exercise mm. because what happened was they took the sustainable Growth commission they took it to party members they repackaged the exact same ideas and they put it to um a motion to the party which was i mean i don't know if many people seen it it was pages pages long I, I, don't, I don't think many people are willing to expect to I mean if you if you're an ordinary party member and you're go, and you don't know that much about economics and you go to the um you go to your, your, the national conference and you see um a, a, an amendment which is what four or five pages long uh, which is very detailed and then there's on top of that, there's also the amendments and you're going to have to read all that and understand that and have all the other con- uh, conference motions. I just thought it was quite ridiculous. And I thought it was a very managed affair. And I think when it comes to independence, we can't let that happen again. We have to make sure that um, if there isn't democratic mechanisms within the National Assembly, there are decision makings, I think that there's like three um, parts to the National Assembly. And I think the last one is decision making. But that those decisions have to be heard. We have to make sure that those decisions um are listened to by the leadership of the party. So that um when we have the National Assembly, it isn't just we'll take a we'll take a listen to what the party have to hear and we'll repackage the exact same idea. We have mm-hmm. to set what our policy is. We have to set what our membership want. And I think if you're going to the National Assembly, speak up Make your voices heard and make sure that these things are done. Make sure that Keith Brown knows that um, that uh, w- that we need to have either a report of the National Assembly um, or that the, there needs to be democratic mis- mechanisms within the National Assembly. Something concrete for party members to hold on to, and I think that's I think that's really really important. Well, that, that, that's
1: really interesting because I was just going to sign up for it myself, but it, I think you're absolutely. I really take on board what you say, so. Next one, please, Daniel.
3: Okay. Okay. Peppa asks about this question of uh, supply at local at local areas. She says, regarding local supply chains, have you considered and looked at community wealth building, which is getting some traction in local authorities?
2: Aye, that's hmm? precisely the. Um, I think that's precisely the kind of thing that we're doing. We what we want to try to do is build local wealth uh, within local communities. And I think that kind of ties into the COVID. We, we all recognised, well, um, I think we all recognised, we called them key workers in um, uh, the beginning of COVID. Um, we still do now. Um, we called them key workers. And what that basically is, is we are recognising that, we're recognizing that there's, um, there's a foundational economy, there's parts of our economy that have to keep going, that can't stop. For our society to exist as it does today, I mean, we can't just uh, we can't just put all our nurses on furlough. We can't put all our shopkeepers on furlough. Um, some of these things need to continue, and people recognise that. And if we're going to if we're going to move forward from this uh, new era of post COVID, whatever that looks like, I think the focus that we have to I think the focus has to be on. Um, Building up local communities, making sure that local communities serve local communities, making sure that local counties are set up to build up their local communities um, rather than oh, rather than just on a profit. I think in some uh, some instances, but there are there are local communities, there are local councils that are doing that. Um, there are uh, local wealth building groups that are push, pushing forward some of these ideas. And yeah, certainly they need to be listened to some of these ideas need to be taken on. Um, and we do need to build up um, our, our local communities, because I think that's precisely what we um, I think we uh, politics happens locally, um economics happens locally. Um when you go buy your bread, you're not going to Crocodile to buy your bread, you're going to your shop down the road. Um if you if you're Paying uh, money for your for your beef, you're not paying. Um, if you if you go to a local butcher, uh, you're paying the local butcher. If you go to Morrison's, I mean, uh, Mr Morrison doesn't live in uh, Dunoon. <laughs> he doesn't live in Cracody. Uh right. Mr Morrison does live here. Um, so again, it's it's about keeping money within the local community, making yep. sure that money swells within the local community.
3: Thank you. Um... Marmin then asks, "What do you think of the Alex Salmond's oblique Alec Neil plan for post-COVID recovery?"
2: Honestly, I think it's a really good idea. Um, I think that um, certainly Alex has been quiet for quite a th- quite some time, um, but actually, having looking through, like, having a, having a look through some of the ideas that they're saying, I think that it, it's it's spot on and. Th- It's it's a good contribution. He's been quiet for a while. He's come forward with uh, with this plan, and I think that's something that the party should seriously listen to. Because again, part of that part part of something that's kind of ingrained in that is the same idea of kind of local wealth building, making sure that kind of local economies prosper. And I think that um, I think having a having a read through it, I think it's it's easy to tell that there are kind of different economic think tanks that have had their own kind of form of influence on uh on this kind of wider uh Alex plan Alex's plan. Um and I think that's certainly something that we should take forward. Um but again <laughs> that's something that needs to be discussed wider at the party um bye.
3: Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's very commendable that uh, I, I think in actual fact the prime mover with it originally was Alec Neil And I think it's an excellent thing to do. Uh, I think it's an excellent thing to do
1: party would be responsible for taking a plan like like that that you know is coming into the party who within the party would, would or could be responsible for taking that particular plan forward
2: we're now unmuted well there's um there's three uh, effectively there could be three That's a difficult one because you could argue in different different uh, there could be different ways so the first instance is um uh, the national conference. So getting uh, the Alex plan um, as a motion, pushing it forward to local branches and uh, having the local part uh, having um, the party voted at the conference. Which, if it does get to that, I believe that will pass. Um, so that's one way. The second way is to put pressure on the the party leadership to um, change the policy. me change the policy. Um, I don't necessarily think that's uh, the right way forward. The second way is for uh, sorry, the third way is for the um, the national executive to put mm-hmm. forward a working group to talk about some of these ideas. Again, we have people in the the, the national executive now that uh, that might be uh, convinced to do stuff like that. But you again, there's, there's other groups in the the party that we have to try work with. So mm-hmm. that's a third way. Um, the fourth way is to try push forward these ideas to your representatives on the policy development committee as well. Um, so those those are kind of different ways. Policy development committee is a strange one because um, uh, it's it, it policy. It's a strange one because uh, you you would expect policy development to be writing up the the manifesto right now, um, but um, that that's not what's happening. At um, the SNP HQ has um, a head of policy. Uh, I don't know if you know. I can't remember the name actually. It slipped from me. Um, but there is uh, a, a head of policy in the party. I, I find that quite strange, actually. That uh, a, a democratic party would need to have um, a policy developer within the HQ that sets what policy is. And again, people say that um, Keith Brown should. Uh, Keith Brown is meant to be the um, the head of developing the manifesto um, as um, as deputy leader. Um, and again, if we're in a situation where uh, Keith Brown and um, the the policy developer at HQ are the ones developing policy and not including the wider policy development committee, which was elected by the party membership, then I think that's a little bit strange, um, personally, if you ask me, if I could be a bit uh, honest there. so again there's uh there's there's different ways uh, and there's lots of things that we can do certainly the smp conway group are going to be pushing forward their ideas uh for um for the manifesto and for uh, the wider party policy and again i encourage people to push forward alex, uh, the alex alex's plan the sam and the neil plan whatever you want if you want to call it what we are trying to do is take the destructure these plans, look at the different policies and push forward those policies. That's certainly something the Colmule Group are doing. And again, um, for the Resilient Scotland, obviously that's something that Colmule Group are trying to push forward as well. But um, it's it's looking at where we can build victories within the party, looking across, I mean the SNP is a broad church, I think there's a lot of ideas that can get pushed forward. If we get the Alex plan, um, into party policy, then that takes a certain chunk, because there are similarities between the Daleks Plan and some parts of the Resilient Scotland Plan for Commonweal. And I think that if we can push forward that, then that's that. that's good. That that's that, that that's the tick. That's uh, that section ticked off. Then we can start working on the next section. And try push that forward. Um, as I say, this this isn't politics is going to politics never ends, and we're constantly going to be talking about these ideas. And I think it's good because these are the ideas that excite people. These are the ideas which engage people. And again, if if we're in a situation where we're looking through these policies and we're right, we're going to try uh, push forward for a national uh, pharmaceutical company next. Then I think that's mm-hmm. I think these these are these are things that we have to do. Okay. All part but, of politics.
3: <laughs> you are now muted. Angie and Dave, what uh, Angie and Dave are saying, and if I'm wrong, Angie, come on and tell me that the last National Assembly they attended, which was held at the Corn um, Exchange, were yes. disappointing. Okay. You're there, Angie, are you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I am. I was actually, it was a response to the, um, uh, the Growth Commission meeting, which was at yeah. the Corn Exchange, um, which was very lively and it was um, very disappointing that nothing really came out of it other than, uh, it you know, all criticisms seemed to disappear. Um, <laughs> so I, I was rather hoping that, you know, going to... Well, we're, we're both planning to go to the, the, um, the National Assembly um, on Independence, um, and I hope that other folk who are of our mind will be there as well and it's not just going to be um a a a sort of um self-congratulatory pat on the back style of meeting um that we need to push people i was agreeing with what craig said about the the the, the assembly and and there were several I think they were they were all over um, uh, at Scotland and the one in Edinburgh was at the Corn Exchange um, so uh, I agree <laughs> and I'm hoping that more folk who who can be um, uh, assertively verbal um, uh, will be attending this meeting.
2: I, I think it, it amazes me that we can have a national assembly that has so much excite, uh, excited energy towards uh, pushing forward an independent currency and pushing forward different ideas, and that turns to, well, uh, we'll still push forward the Sustainable growth Commission, we won't change anything. Um, it, it just amazes me that th- that's the way that people think. they can Mm -hmm. run things. But I think it's important now because there's a tipping point, and I don't know if we reached that tipping point yet or we're approaching it, but it is coming. Um, And that tipping point is where party members recognise that things aren't going the way they should be going. Um, The SNP Commonwealth Group could perhaps be um, a bit of a recognition that that's happening, that that, that Mm -hmm. people aren't, aren't that happy with the direction of the party. And I think that yeah, if we if we get people out there to, to speak about uh, the independence and particularly independence as well, because I think that I think people will be quite surprised actually by the um, by the number of support for Plan B. I think that's actually a lot larger than people expect it to be. Um, but again, whatever whatever policy we decide, that's fine. Um, I think that I I'll certainly be there. There'll be a number of people that are going to be there um, that are pushing forward, um, making sure that whatever decisions made has been made, uh, making sure that there is positive energy there. And the party do want to have some bit of positivity about this. I mean, they they do want it, but they just don't know how to manage it right. Um, (laughs) If I can say that. (laughs) I think that's honest though. I think that there is an honest uh, criticism there that look, take what the party are saying, be democratic, listen to what they say, set it in place, put out a report, listen to what they say, have something in place so people have tangible Something to actually hold on to, an actual deliverable, and I had to be asking Keith Brown if anyone sees him, or whatever opportunity you have within the National Assembly, ask people: What are the deliverables out of this National Assembly? What are the outcomes? What's going to happen next? And how can we know that that's going to happen? And I think that's what we need all, all we need to be, <laughs> all we need to do, be a bit stoic. Um, be a bit stern um, but be excited because again it's 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 all meant to be fun isn't it I suppose uh,
1: (laughs) I would agree but I think there has been a huge wake-up call not just for the SNP members but for the population in general that they sort of realize that perhaps the SNP isn't quite moving in direction we would like and we need the SNP whether you belong to them or not or really or really believe in them we need them so I think they need to listen to the people. I think they've sort of lost their way on that myself.
3: I would agree with that. I'll just get my red flag up in a moment. I'm just going to read the next question, if Julie just takes her finger out of the way and leaves things alone. Gus McFadden says, uh, I'm not a member of any political party, but how do you, Craig, feel about the SNP working within the Indian movement in general? Uh, with other groups in order to achieve the majority required for an independent country, because that's well, what we're concerned about isn't it
2: yeah i um I think that they i think again they need to totally change their strategy um they they can't corporatize the yes movement like they did with the yes campaign mm. um i mean there's what well, what i mean what's happened out, out the what was the outcome of the of that? <laughs> can anyone see anything that's happened with the yes what's got i mean i certainly can't i can't see anything no. um so i think yeah i we, we, what the smp need to do and they need to realize is that they they're supplementary to the to the s yes movement the Yes movement is what's core here and the 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 SNP is meant to be the the, um, political expression uh, or the uh, parliamentary expression of the Yes Movement, but that doesn't necessarily happen. Um, So um, I think they need to give a bit of space to um, groups like the Scottish independence convention, all under one banner. Um, I think there's a new group coming out, I don't know if it's Yes Alba or or whatever the group's going to be called.
3: Um, Mm.
2: I think that the SNP need to give a bit of support there. From my understanding, one of the issues of the Scottish Independence Convention is that they've not. They said, "Well, some people on the SNP haven't been as forthcoming. They've not given that level of support, and it does need to be about the the SNP. Do need to give support. They new They do need to get involved um, because the, the the Yes movement will move on. They will move forward, but if they don't have the support, they'll be moving forward with a bit of a stunted growth. Um, But if the if the yes if the S the wider SNP can get behind and give um the wider support to ordinary people who aren't members of their own party, make it an investment. I mean maybe they will become members of the party in the future. Maybe the person that asked the question will become a member of the party in the future. I don't know. But the party (laughs) the party made to meet the party made to make that investment. They need to make sure that um the the um they're giving the support to the, to the YES movement and making sure that those people eventually come on to their side, because that's what happened after um, after 2014, um, but they need to put a bit of work in to, to, to actually achieve that, and um, again, I don't know if that's uh, being done at the moment, but things might change.
3: Thanks Craig. As a non-member, I uh, I'm more than happy to hear the positive things that are being said here. The dangerous thing is that I'm even thinking of joining the party to try and get into this, this National Assembly this uh, this month. Moving on to questions. Uh, Mike Wallace has two questions in actual fact. He's sneaked a second one in, which we'll listen to. Um, at the last National Assembly, that was on social justice and fairness several months ago. None of the many interesting views covered there have been made available by SMP HQ as yet. The new NEC must ensure that these changes... For the next assembly and made to allow a decent discussion on the independent strategy.
2: Yes, yeah, I th- I think we do need to hold them to account for these sort of things. Um, right. I think that it's when it when it came to the um, when it came to that national assembly, I think it was kind of same old. I think a lot of people recognised that um, there was. I think a lot of people recognised that they might not get a lot out of this. Um, because again that's what's happened before. Um right. so I think confidence in these sort of things will begin to wane. One of the issues that I had with the with, with the, the um social justice and the uh, commission was that when we spoke to them before, one of the things we said that you can't necessarily um separate um economics from uh, equality. Mm -hmm. these things go hand in hand and when it came to things like currency and discussing these ideas they weren't willing to have it i think as a party does make a little bit of sense because they don't want to step on their own toes because they've already had the sustainable growth commission but they have to update themselves with the times times have changed we have we we live in a different world now um and again the um the, the sustainable growth commission's already been discredited it was discredited before um and it's been further discredited now um so i think that was the issue that we had with that, and um, it, it didn't take on uh, the ideas of economics. And that's primarily what the Commonweal tries tries to push forward, the ideas of um, economics and a few kind of similar ideas uh, within there, rather than um, social justice. But um, mm. I think, yeah, I we should certainly see a situation where those things are actually taken on, things have, things have been actioned on, but it's just not. It's just not happening, and I think that's yeah. disappointing. And we need to hold people to account.
1: Do you think members like myself um, should be writing to their MPs and MSPs regularly with all these issues, because they are, after all, our conduit allegedly to to the party. Just before we move on to the next question, from what you're saying, it sounds as though the ideas are brought forward to the party, they go to a commission, and then they're buried. So what can ordinary <laughs> members like me do? I'm sorry if that's a bit abrupt, but that's yeah.
2: how it comes to me. It's abruptly truthful as well. Um and again, that's that's I would like to have one of them come in and try to defend it because that's the way that, that it's happened. With it we mm-hmm. put it forward um, as a party conference and then the, the commission decided it wasn't uh, wasn't okay. Um, I think there's I think there's massive, massive issues, even when it comes to even when it comes to like post COVID, we're talking about what would a post COVID economy look like. We held uh, the Scottish government held a um, a group, the um, Economic Recovery Group, um, to talk about that. And who was head of the Economic Recovery Group? It was Benny Higgins. Who's Benny Higgins? Yes, uh, the the chief executive yes. of the largest landowner in Scotland. Does that really tell us that uh, the the post COVID economy is really going to be that different to what it is right now? No, uh, I I think that's, I think that's quite shocking. In fact, we wrote to them at the time to say, well, look, we weren't too happy. We think there's, um, I think there's conflict of interest is what we said. I think there's some serious conflict of interest there Mm -hmm. with Benny Higgins. Why he should have, why he should be involved in the economic recovery group, let alone chair the economic recovery group is shocking. Mm -hmm. But again, these, these are things that are happening. And people, what we need to do, we need to do two things. We need to make people Uh, aware that these things are happening, and again here I am telling you about it, and we also need to go around and make sure that that we continue to make our voices heard. That whenever there's an election, we're putting forward someone that's going to reform. Uh, Whenever there's a conference, we're putting forward policies, we're putting forward uh, amendments to make sure that. uh, the policies uh, can actually change um, the structure of the Scottish economy so that it's, it changes um, yeah. how the economy runs to make sure that it's actually cares about. Uh, the, I think um, we're, we're part of the, the Wellbeing Alliance and I think there's some, um, I think there's a lot of work that can be done to actually change the economic policy to make sure that that reflects being a member of the Wellbeing Alliance. So I think um, right, there's a lot of work that can be done, certainly the Commonwealth Group's doing it. Um, and if more people want to do it as well, if you have issues with the party and if you are getting more and more um, more concerned with the direction of the party, if you have any issues with the party, if you're getting yourself into this a bit of a slump, and I think there's a lot of people that are in it, um, what you need to do is become more involved. Don't get less involved, become more involved. Make your voice heard, tell them you're not happy, tell them why you're not happy, group together with the people that are also um, unhappy uh, aye. <laughs> and uh, Get together and make sure that the, the the party changes and hold them to account because you're a party member you pay your monthly fee and they should um they should be listening to you because uh the, the party should work for you not the other way around
3: isabel, isabel Gow also says i've read a lot about commonwealth policies and i think they're really good and they they do appeal to so many scots many not members of parties and if folk heard more about these policies they'd be persuaded to support independence land reform and no to trident in particular isabel then follows on with following this what can commonweal do to advertise your ideas further
2: well i think um commonweal themselves are doing that they're doing a lot of work um and again uh, for the the budget that they have they do a power of work so Mm -hmm. commonweal are commonweal are pushing that forward um what I'm doing that's a little bit different is to take the commonwealth ideas and make it party political because commonwealth isn't party political and I don't imagine they ever will be. Um, But we're taking those ideas, we're making sure that uh, within the SNP those ideas are being heard. If you're in the Green Party and you want to hear the same or do the same, well create a green commonwealth group, do something like that, just get get involved and make sure that these things happen. If you're a member of any other political party, do the exact same. and I think that, that there is an infrastructure as well of local branches um, of local branches of Commonweal groups that, that engage in local politics as well. I I think I think there's a lot of work, but we can only do what we can do. We can only push forward within the party, and that's what we are trying to do. Um, if other people want to get involved in other groups and other sections um, within the climate movement, uh, climate movement, and any anything like that. All power to them. Go ahead, get it done. Uh, I certainly give you support, but um I think we've all got our own job to do. And for me, this is my job: is to change the SNP and put uh, put forward Comhairle policy um, to dem- democratise the SNP to make sure independence is number one for the SNP. And again, that's that's mine. Uh, so,
3: <laughs> I'm going to jump on to uh, the National Assembly again. Um, Angie and Dave have said that at the next National Assembly, it's being hosted in Hopin. Hmm. So there should be the facility to record and vote on all appropriate aspects of the Assembly live. This should ensure that matters are more responsive to the views of SNP members. Uh, Marlene says, Angie's right, hopping voting can easily be set up to allow abstain, refer back, as well as for and against. Tim doubts hopping on currency had better voting layout options than the SNP one. So there we are.
2: <laughs> I think... Um... <laughs> I think should is an important word there, um, because <laughs> you're certainly right, they should they should be doing that, that should happen, um, yeah. but whether it wo- will or not, I think, again, there's only so much that we can do other than hold them to account um, mm. and say to them at the time, well, where's this? Why is this not happening? Um, really let your criticisms be known. Um, I mean, if people want to say, oh, that person, they're, a, they're an absolute nag. Uh, be that nag. I'm happy to be a nag. Call me a nag because I'm going to sit there and I'm going to complain about every single thing that does not go right in that um, National Assembly. If they don't have those sort of functions in place, if they don't have readmit back at the conference, which they should have, they should have had a readmit back at the um, uh, the National Conference previously, but they, I don't believe they did. Um, I think these things should have been in place, they should be in place, but again these things aren't happening and if they start to get to, if they start to get pressure from the party membership and they start to see that their positions are untenable then those positions will change mm-hmm. um but we just there's a lot of work to make sure that uh, we're organized um and capable of making those voices heard
3: yeah great so maybe we should uh, should we be compl- not complaining requesting of the gentleman organizing this assembly that uh, we would like to see hop in voting in place for that assembly would that be worth asking mr brown
2: well I, if, uh, if if you can't get through that then certainly complain do do <laughs> bang the walls if you can do oh. do everything you can go out may e send an email Ask them to to set that in place. Ask them if it's set in place. Ask them why it's not set in place if it isn't. Ask these questions, and if if you get to that point where we're at the National Assembly and those things aren't in place, ask them again. Why is this not in place? Why are we not getting uh, democratic mechanisms to make our voices heard? And after the election, um, or after the National Assembly, sorry, um, ask the question, well, when's the report coming? Why is the report not being made? Has there been a report? Is the report being (laughs) Ask as many questions as you can, and all they can do is, um, well, I mean, I suppose all they can do is ignore you if you ask too many times. But um, aye, certainly go out and ask them, uh, hold them to account. If and if you put up that pressure, and you've they've got a lot of people that ask them those sort of questions, they've got a lot of people um, that kind of putting those criticisms in. Um, There'll they'll be a tipping point at some point.
3: Marlene has just said she's going to email Keith Brown about hopping as soon as we finish this meeting. Well done, so Marlene. At the moment, that seems to be uh, the the end of our questions. Okay,
1: well, if we haven't got any more questions, um, I think I'd just like to say, Craig, thank you very much. This has been a really interesting talk.
3: Very enjoyable. Um,
1: Yeah, and yes, we'll all be getting our little typing fingers going (laughs) as soon as this is over. If if everybody would like to unmute and put your cameras on if you like, and we can can thank Craig properly for giving us all his time.
2: I'm always happy to have a chat, uh, and if it's not me, um, there's a lot of people that are involved in the the Commonwealth group, and they're always happy to have a chat as well. Yes. Um, yes. Again. We- our, our aim is to go around and speak to people and talk to people about these ideas and talk about the work that we're doing. So again, this is this uh, this is uh, this is what the work entails, yeah. I suppose. I appreciate everyone for, uh, for, for listening to us as well and taking the time and uh, actually asking some questions and engaging with us. And I think it's really, really, I, I do really appreciate it. Even the people that aren't members of the SNP, I appreciate you coming out because, again, there is um, no party's perfect and I suppose that we all have our own problems and uh, perhaps we can agree on some ideas and push forward some of the ideas as well and I think um, I, yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that
1: Okay, thank you very much Craig we really appreciate you, our first speaker of the
0: year thank you. This is Indie Live Radio you've been listening to our broadcast from Pensioners for Independence this week it was brought to you by the Edinburgh and Lothian's Pensioners for Indie group and featured Craig Berry of the SNP Commonweal Group if you missed any of it don't worry you can catch up using any of our Indie Live Radio on demand platforms we're on SoundCloud and Podbean search for Indie Live Radio Scottish Independence podcasts you can also find us on the hub.scot search for Indie Live Radio